Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I'll tell you what, folks, it is it's a little bit weird every year when you get to these last couple of shows of the regular season. I know, not last couple of, like we go year round. I, I know, I know there's no actual break for the show, for me, whatever. But there is a mental break, which I guess you could interpret a couple of different ways. I'm not having an actual mental break. And I still have to think. So it's not... A break probably isn't the right word. It's really more of a a mental pivot point where today, it's Thursday, we're going to break down the short, shorter than usual Wednesday card. And tomorrow, Friday, we'll review the Thursday results. You know, we got seven games tonight, and we'll kind of get you set for the weekend. We'll talk a little Roto stuff each of the next two shows. But this is wind-down time. There aren't as many people listening right now because a lot of leagues are done. And I get it. People, right after they finish, probably aren't super excited to go listen to a fantasy podcast talking about leagues that are still in action. Obviously, I do appreciate those of you that are continuing to listen, even if it's just to click a download button so that, you know, we over here at Sports Ethos can get credit for somebody listening to the show. Uh, I just, um, yeah, it's weird. I used to, by the way, this is Fantasy NBA Today, Sports Ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Vesperson. And don't worry, we're diving into the, the Roto recap on Wednesday very shortly here. If you're interested in streaming discussion and you've missed some of the episodes this week, Tuesday's show, all streaming. For this finals week. That's the whole thing. That's the only day this week we were going to do it. That's done now. I, when I used to work in minor league baseball, I haven't done this little tangential Dan tells a story thing on a podcast in a while, but I'm doing it today because, damn it, we're, you know, two episodes from the end of the regular season today and tomorrow. So screw it. When I used to work in minor league baseball, I, you know, you go, a lot of people don't know this. Most minor league baseball employees, get to the ballpark at 9 in the morning, work a full day, 9 to 5, and then work the game, 7 to 10 or whatever it is. And then you have stuff to do after the ball game, depending on what your job is. If you're, you know, if you're in charge of like ticket sales, you wrap up your box, you count your money, you go home. If you're in media relations, you do the next day's game notes. Can't do that in the morning. There's no time for that then. So my schedule in minor league baseball like, honestly, most people was 9 a.m. to about midnight every single day for 140 days in a row. And they say, Dan, what about days off? Yeah, okay, that's actually where broadcasters have it worse. Not that this isn't a complaining session, uh, but the broadcaster's day off is usually like on a weird Tuesday in the middle of the month, so everybody else is still working. So you still get 100 work emails even though you're supposed to be on your off day. You work weekends because games happen. So really, you do work basically 150 days in a row. And you'd think at the end of that, you'd be just lusting with all of your heart for a break, a little respite for the body, for the mind, whatever. But for whatever reason, when I got home after a minor league season, when I, because I lived half the time in Bakersfield, half the time in Los Angeles with my wife, we didn't have kids at that point, I actually went through a very weird 
I don't know if you could call it a depression so much as just becoming so unbelievably stir-crazy that I was kind of mad all the time, that I just didn't have things to do with my fingers, with my hands, with whatever. That's a little bit what, like, the end of the NBA season is now, but to a much smaller degree. I love doing these off-season episodes. I love diving into lessons learned, all that stuff, but there's something internally that just feels weird. And it's already happening to me a little bit because, you know, like our, our Discord, uh, in January we were getting 100, 200 questions every day from subscribers, sometimes more than that, and right now it's like four because <laughs> everybody's done. So I'm looking around, and I still have plenty of things to do. My wife is out of town this week, so most of that is kid-related for the moment. But it just, I don't know. It feels weird, like I need something else to focus on. But there's just only so much you can do right now. So let's dive in. Let's do a little recap. We'll talk some Roto strategy. Uh, did get a question on Twitter about how teams are uh, utilizing their players, their minutes, things like that. So we'll we'll cover all of that on today's show. Sorry for that tangential. I just, I haven't done that Dan story thing in a long time. I've got a lot of complaints over the years that the beginning of the podcast was too slow, and so I've kind of wiped all that out. But not today, damn it. April the 7th, we did a story at the beginning of the show. Yesterday, just six games. This isn't going to take all that long. Dallas beat Detroit. No surprise there. Dallas uh, basically at full strength these days. Mavericks are an interesting team. Maybe more so in the reality standpoint than fantasy. That was, by the way, another over that is going to hit for us. I got to go back and see what how we did on some of these over-unders. My Grizzlies under was arguably the worst call I made all season long. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was idiotic. Um, oh, no, maybe the Warriors under was the most idiotic of the call of the year. But there were some good ones in there as well. Uh, this game was over pretty early, but... The main guys still were able to kind of do what they need to do. Luca had a very inefficient ball game. First one of those, he hadn't had that many of those in the second half of the year. Spencer Dinwiddie has settled back in the way that we expected he would. Remember, he went on that pretty good tear right when he first joined the Mavericks. And I kept saying, this is a guy we know is more points league ready. He's a points league guy. He's a point. And he kept doing things to try to dissuade me from that. And eventually he kind of did. Because either Luca was out, or Brunson was out, or Bullock was out. When the team is now at full strength, Spencer Dinwiddie is not a Roto Games guy. You use him, you know, if someone else is getting a night off. That's where he's at. He's outside the top 200 over the last couple of weeks. He's back to being the Dinwiddie that we remember. Guys don't just change their fantasy profile overnight. He's a low field goal percent, not that high free throw percent for a, a guy who gets to the line all that often. I mean, he's sort of a neutral in that one. Sometimes points, sometimes assists, and that's basically it. Doesn't shoot that many threes, doesn't get many steals. So I don't mean to bag on him, but he kind of tried to trick us for about three or four weeks into something, believing he was something he's not. Jalen Brunson, on the other hand, has kind of moved back into a better position here, although he also isn't a must-start guy when the team is fully healthy, he is at least closer to it. And I have no problem if you do continue to deploy Brunson in Roto because he's a high percentages guy. High percentages, points, that's generally about it. Also doesn't get many steals or threes. 
sometimes gets some boards and assists, but but that's uh, you know that that's kind of gravy for him. He's really a percentages guy. Dwight Powell has really soaked up most of the center minutes. Maxi Kleba has been kind of in and out of the lineup, so Powell is actually startable in Roto. Dorian Finney-Smith, we made lots of jokes this year at whether or not he could actually get to the top 90. He's not going to get there, but he's at 110, which effectively makes him a guy you could have started all season long in Roto. And if you want to do it now, you're pretty much just hunting steals at this point because he ain't doing a whole lot else. Piston side. Uh, Cade Cunningham, who's been also kind of in and out of the lineup, was uh, better, I guess. More, no field goal percent. He, he's fine. He's a start. Uh, Isaiah Stewart might have had his best game of the entire season here. He's probably a start down the stretch because there just aren't any other centers on the map anymore. That's it. rest of them are either resting or out. Hurt or resting or both. Killian Hayes is startable in most formats here with no Corey Joseph. Sadiq Bey has been startable. That's as far as I'd go. I mean, you know, Braxton Key's been kind of interesting, and if they ever... If he ever moves into the starting lineup, like if they even go to even a harder tank at this point, which do they need to? Pistons are 23 and 57. They're two games below the Pacers and only one game worse than the Thunder. Nah, I mean, they got a tank, so someone else might sit out. Detroit, they don't want to accidentally win a game here. If they lose out, they stay in that bottom three and have the tie for those top lotto ball odds. Uh, you can bet your bottom dollar, yep, that's right, I said it, the bottom most of your dollars that they're not going to win a ball game. They, they really don't want to right now. If they do, better only be one. Brooklyn, big comeback win. They were down by 20, I think, in this ball game, and they won by 12. That's a substantial turnaround, but one that shouldn't be particularly surprising. Uh, the Knicks... So horrible at the free throw line in this game. Could have won it if they managed to hit any free throws, but they didn't. Obi Toppin's a start the rest of the way with Julius Randle probably done. Toppin's playing giant minutes, and he's a pretty good fantasy player also. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, I think we'll probably see him back for something here down the stretch, but it's good to know that if he gets wiped for any future ball games, you could throw Jericho Sims in there and just hope he doesn't get to the free throw line. Alec Burks is a start as long as he's starting. Emmanuel quickly, he just triple-doubled over the weekend, so I think you can still start him even after this bad ball game. And then R.J. Barrett, he's your points league darling. Horrific percentages, but big counting stats. On the Brooklyn side, I said it once, I'll say it again. When all three centers are healthy, no centers are worth starting. Andre Drummond, you guys remember it, two shows back, I said Andre Drummond's probably phasing himself out right now. And sure enough, this is not a good enough game to use. 17 and a half minutes ain't enough. Nick Claxton played 23. LaMarcus Aldridge only played five. They went... They could have gone small if they wanted to for little stretches here because the Knicks didn't really have an actual scoring threat on the inside. KD woke up, carried the team. Kyrie was having one of his off-shooting nights. It happens. Seth Curry's back in there. He's a start if you need three-pointers, and uh, those three are as far as you go. Oh, excuse me, Bruce, Bruce Brown is startable as well, more rebound steals kind of guy in general. So you got three. Uh, we got two obvious ones, and then Bruce Brown and Curry are kind of they're probably both above the cut line from a traditional standpoint, but more so specialists. Again, that's what you're hunting here on the Roto side. Unless you can drop a guy like Kristaps Porzingis into your lineup, in which case you just do it. Because 26, 18, 4, a steal, two blocks, four, three pointers. That's a big ball game right there. Woo. Little disappointed Daniel Gafford didn't see more minutes. I thought maybe we, you know, their previous game was Washington demoing something new. 
It's why I said you could pick him up and then don't start him for their next ball game. See what happens, and if he gets decent minutes a second time in a row, then you drop him in there. If he doesn't, you move on. So, you can move on. I saw a... Uh, I saw a lot of Ish Smith love floating around these days. I, I don't, maybe something's happening here that I'm not fully aware of, but Ish Smith is still the same old Ish Smith, which, you know, one couple of good games every once in a while. His minutes have been higher lately, but they still have Sato on that team. They still have Raul Neto, who actually got into this one for four and a half minutes. I, I don't see how there's enough for Ish Smith, a guy who we know historically doesn't shoot the ball well, doesn't hit three pointers. He's assists and steals only. So, yeah, okay, specialist, that's fine. But, uh, frankly, I'd rather go Sadoransky because he's starting. I'm not sure I'd go either of them. Again, if you're just, like, trying to start a good player in Roto. But KCP, I would still start. I know he wasn't good in this ballgame. He's okay to go for me. Uh, Sato, if you need assists-ish, if you need assists or steals, maybe. But, again, we're talking specialists. Gallo, big ball game, Gallinari. Welcome back, buddy. And as expected, he pretty much blew the other wings right off the map. DeAndre Hunter, not startable. Kevin Herter, not startable. Bogdan Bogdanovich is startable. Everything went according to plan in this Atlanta game. We said it would happen, and it did. Cool, got that one right. Boston blew out Chicago, and now the Celtics are going to arrest a whole bunch of guys on their back-to-back. Uh, -back. They've got Milwaukee coming up, which, crap, man. Uh, I don't know what the teams in the East really want to do here down the stretch. Boston's got one more game on Sunday after today. So they're off for a couple of games. They're in Memphis to take on the Grizzlies. The uh, Give Boston a lot of credit. Um, they took care of the Bulls. That was one of these last three kind of tougher games, and they did so pretty easily. They're a half game up on the 76ers, who uh, play in Toronto today, and then have two easy ones down the stretch. So here's the problem. Boston's probably going to lose in Milwaukee unless we find out later today that the Bucks are resting a whole bunch of players, which, you know, it could happen. News hasn't broken yet on that front. Those teams are all jockeying. And I'm not sure if maybe they don't want the three seed. That seems like the weird coveted one right now. It's Chicago, and they're floundering. The Cavs, the Nets, the Hawks, the Hornets, those teams look like they're all, yeah, they're all locked into the playoffs. It just comes down to uh, where in the play-in tournament they actually end up pretty much at this point. And so those teams at the top are probably a little bit afraid that the two seed is going to carry a matchup with the Nets in the first round. The one seed, you probably end up with the Hawks or the Cavs, maybe the Hornets, feels a little more beatable. So the two seems like the spot nobody wants right now, but someone's going to back into it. I don't know who the hell it's going to be, but somebody's going to back into it. Anyway, our Boston 25-1 to bet is hanging in the balance. By the way, if you can hedge off of that right now, I don't know what odds you could get on the Sixers to win the uh, Atlantic division, but I think I probably would do it. Um, Boston probably goes 1-1 one one in their final two games. Sixers probably go at least 2-1, and one, uh, which... I believe at this point, what would that that would put them into a dead heat with one another. I don't know who has the tiebreaker there, but Sixers might win out. If they win in Toronto, they probably win out. Uh, Boston could actually still lose in Memphis, depending on who they rest in that ballgame. So, uh, again, if you can hedge off of that, I think I would. Because you're in a great spot now, and the 25-1 to 1 is, honestly, to me, more of a long shot now than when they were five games back. 
And I just look back at that damn game Boston lost to Detroit right before the All-Star break. Damn it. Anyway, they're resting everybody here on the back-to-back. If you have the opportunity to pick up some Celtics uh, today, if you have moves today in your league and it's a Roto League, again, I don't want you guys spending moves in head-to-head for uh, one-gamers at this point, but uh, Marcus Smart is not resting by all accounts. Sounds like it's Tatum, Brown, and Horford. So Daniel Tice is set to have a big ball game. Marcus Smart's going to have a big ball game. You probably see Derek White, Peyton Pritchard also on the map, Grant Williams potentially. A lot of good options on the Roto side, but Smart is one that's already on rosters, so that one doesn't really matter much. Tice is your second, I think, most obvious choice here. And then Derek White's probably your third. And then beyond that, I don't know if I'm going Pritchard and Williams. Those are kind of coin flippy. Chicago is falling apart at the seams. If DeRozan doesn't carry them, they're they're just they're crumping. Zach Levine is playing hurt. Vooch has just had his his shot's been off all year. He's been totally fine fantasy wise, but his shot just hasn't been there for whatever reason. Patrick Williams did taper off. This was our fear when the team is fully healthy. Would there be enough usage for him provided, you know, if he can't get defensive stats on one night? And so that's why I'm basically just sticking with the stars on Chicago at this point. And even those guys didn't have a good game, but, you know, they'll be fine. Utah, easy winner. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was out, basically rested at this point. I think we can just call it that. Rudy Gobert, 20-10. and 10. Hassan Whiteside, 15-11. Both centers had double-doubles. They combined for 35-21 and 7 blocks. That'll happen when you play a team of basically all G-leaguers and Isaiah Roby. Thunder are ridiculous right now. We don't need to talk much about Utah. They'll be floating guys in and out of their lineup down the stretch, I would assume. Jazz are the 5 seed. Uh, they can't fall into the play-in. They could fall as far as the 6. I don't know if they care if they get the Mavericks or the Warriors in the first round. That's where they're at. So, you know, they'll they'll win a game down the stretch, and, and then you'll see more guys getting rested, and, and you can try to react to it. But again, you know, most Roto Leagues, I think, are moves day before. In that case, you're a little bit up a creek because you probably won't know who's getting rested until the last minute. Like, if Gobert's going to sit, I got to think he sits at least one of these games. Then Whiteside's a great pickup, but can you afford to just sit on Whiteside until that day comes? Probably not. Maybe. Probably not. Oklahoma City. Oh, good Lord. This is a whole big pile of good Lord. They sign guys, they wave guys. They sign guys, they wave guys. Olivier Saar got, didn't get re-upped. Xavier Simpson, the point guard with the sky hook, came in, played 39 minutes. They're old, there's old Krejci again, playing 34 Kalitsakis got 30 again. Lindy Waters, the jazz musician. Melvin Frazier. Who the hell are all these people? I feel like I woke up in an alternate universe. Jalen Horde had the best game of the replacements, whatever you want to call these guys. Isaiah Roby is an easy start, as long as he's playing. He fouled out or he would have done a little bit more in this ballgame also, but he's kind of the one, he's the last man standing here. But I don't know who's going to be in their next ballgame. Could be a totally different group of guys. So I can't really advise picking up pretty much any of these players. I'd be a little surprised if they benched Jalen Horde after a couple of decent ballgames. But, you know, accidental wins must be avoided. Thunder got an accidental win a couple games back. They still have a shot to fall behind the Pistons. Thunder only a game better than Detroit. 
You can bet your ass they'd like to fall into that bottom three. So don't do it. Don't waste a pickup on OKC. It's too complicated right now. And then Phoenix rested everybody. Um... They'll probably have a few guys back. Suns are, they set their franchise record for wins with the victory over the Lakers. Uh, What do they got? Two games left? Yeah, they're in Utah taking on the Jazz. They host the Kings to finish up the regular season. If I had to guess, they'll probably rest guys in altitude. I mean, they could just not send them on that trip if they want to, and then maybe try to beat up on the Kings in the last game, a little little playoff tune-up, like give everybody two and a half quarters of action. What do you do with that? I don't know. And that kind of segues, uh, let's talk about the Clippers, and then I want to segue into the, the point I, that Phoenix resting all their guys kind of uh, dovetails into here. First of all, Paul George is uh, looking decent. Norman Powell made his return for the Clippers. He's definitely an ad. Easy decision there. If you didn't get him yesterday when the news broke, he's an ad now. Uh, eats Zubots, he's still trustworthy. Isaiah Hartenstein's been trustworthy lately as well. That's as far as I'd go. Those four guys. Maybe Rob Covington. He had that gigantic game last week. He's a maybe, only because Paul George being back, and now Norman Powell, those guys really do kind of hamstring Covington a little bit. There's just not as much room for him. And, you know, we're reading reports, the Clippers are trying to play Paul George outside of small forward because they want to clear out room in case Kawhi Leonard does come back. I always thought if Paul George came back, it was because he knew Kawhi had a chance to play in the playoffs. So I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. There aren't back-to-backs in the playoffs. Kawhi's going to be on a minutes limit, but you know, if the Clippers can slip through the play-in, maybe he shows up for it. I don't know. It seems like a bad time to work a superstar back into your lineup, but it's also, you're talking about Kawhi Leonard. They've got two shots. In the eight seed. Hell, if the Clippers go on the road and beat the Timberwolves, and they got a couple days off, then they'd have the, what, the Grizzlies? Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have the Grizzlies than the Suns. We'll see, I guess. Maybe they lose the first play-in game uh, to the Timberwolves, and then they have to beat the Pels in the second one. I think Kawhi Leonard could actually show up for that if you're in a playoff league. Not that that matters at all. But what I wanted to talk about because, again, there wasn't a whole lot of add or drop stuff from yesterday's card, just a lot of silly season, is it does kind of segue into the question that came up on Twitter, which was, you know, what do you think teams are going to do in terms of minutes for their stars, in terms of actual games played for their stars? These last, you know, we're talking four days left, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah, in the regular season, I had to double-check myself because counting suddenly got hard. The very short answer, unfortunately, to that question is we don't know. We don't know. You can uh, you can you can kind of deep dive stuff on like we just started to do it with Phoenix. Phoenix set their franchise record and wins, but we also know that Chris Paul likes to play when he can. They like to get that rhythm going. They like good vibes. So they might play all of their guys against the Jazz and the Kings these last two games. They want, they want, want to push the franchise wins record up to 65. I mean, 65, that's a pretty damn good number. They've had a fantastic season. Why not capitalize on it? Even if you don't win the championship, you still become a record-breaking team, which they already are. Maybe no Suns team ever breaks that down the line. Who knows? 30, 40, 50 years later, maybe? Two years later? We don't know. There is a value to that to some of these players at the very least. And the only thing I would think is 
you know, maybe they try to keep the minutes lower. But if it's a winnable ball game, they probably put their guys back in. It's not going to be a blowout in Utah. That'll be a competitive ball game. Kings might not be. Might be able to get your starters some rest in that one. Win it anyway. But that's the 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 answer is we just don't know. Each team treats these types of ball games differently. The only thing we can look at and say, look, Phoenix, they're the one seed in the West. Nothing they do at this point matters. Grizzlies, they're locked into the two seed. Clippers, locked into the eight seed. Pels and Spurs are in, but they could flip-flop who has home court in the first half of the play-in tournament. Timberwolves, still technically, I believe, not eliminated from escaping the play-in tournament. I'm not positive on that. I don't know who has the tiebreaker. You could, again, go look that up. You might find out that the Wolves are done. They've got two games left. Nuggets have two games left. They best they could end up in is a tie. You know, if you go look up and who has the tiebreaker, if it's Denver, then the Wolves are locked into their spot. Nuggets aren't, by the way. They could pass the Jazz, but do they care? Mavericks Warriors could flip-flop the three and the four spot. Jazz probably not going to pass the Mavericks, but again, you're talking home court if those two teams play one another. So there's a lot, and that's just the Western Conference. It's the same crap out East. The Heat are basically the one seed. Celtics resting all of their guys pretty much ensures that that's going to be the case. Everybody else can't catch them. Uh, no, I guess that's not technically true. Bucks, Sixers... The Heat have played an extra game on those teams, so they could win out. If the Heat lose both of their games down the stretch and uh, the Celtics win both of theirs, although they're resting their guys, if the Bucks and Sixers win all of theirs, then you'd have a three-way tie. Again, you're looking up tiebreakers. Does anybody... Do they want it? Who's Are we dodging the two-seed? Raptors could fall behind the Bulls. Do they care? Bulls could pass the Raptors. Do they care? I don't think the Bulls are falling back to the Cavs, but I guess there is a reason for Chicago to try to... I mean, you know, they just don't want to go into the playoffs having lost all of their games. So Chicago's probably going to play their guys at least one of their last couple games. Cavs, they're in free fall right now. Another loss, and they could fall into the lower half of the play-in bracket. So they're playing their guys. The Nets, the Hawks, the Hornets, all of those teams are still kind of jockeying. Charlotte is kind of a meh on that. They're a little bit on the outside uh, in terms of where you move around in the play-in. So we don't know. That was the quick glance at everybody in the playoffs in both both conferences, and it comes to the conclusion of, we don't know. Teams are going to announce what they're going to do, probably. Right now, we'd be making our best guess. And to that end, if you have a good to great player on one of these teams we just talked about, you can't bench them. And a lot of them are fantasy worthwhile, even in a half a game of minutes. You know, Devin Booker only plays 24 minutes in one of these games. He's still startable. Chris Paul... DeAndre Aiden, these guys are still startable in half a ball game. Same story for the really good players on the Mavs, the Nuggets, the Wolves, whatever. Like, they don't have to go 34 minutes to be a fantasy start. They just wouldn't be, you know, a top 25 guy. They might be a top 70 guy in 20-some-odd minutes instead of 30-some-odd minutes, but it's still startable. So you can't really make those big adjustments now for the rest of the week. You pretty much just have to play it by ear. And the problem is, by the time you make a move reactive to something that one of these teams is doing, they could just switch it up again in the next ballgame. We just saw it. The Suns played all of their guys against the Lakers, probably because teams like to troll the Lakers like that, and then they sat them all against the Clippers. They might come back for the next one and then sit for the one after that. We don't know. 
So if you're picking up and dropping Cam Johnson or Cam Payne, you're kind of cooked. Your best case in this spot, and you know, I, in most of my Roto Leagues, I need to add a couple of games played down the stretch. The only ones I don't are the Yahoo Cash Leagues because that it's really easy to hit your games cap there. It's 82 at each spot, three bench slots, and three injured slots. So you have plenty of players. It's, it's really hard to fall all that far behind in those. But in anyone where you don't have that many slots or the games cap is a little higher... You can't really just sit on a Roto guy right now and hope that they drop in for one good game over the final four days. If you can, if you're in the minority of teams that can afford to do that, you could pick up some of these backups. On Phoenix, for instance, if you're looking at Phoenix, you know, campaign is a pretty easy backup to grab. He didn't play as many minutes as you might have expected in this ballgame, but under most circumstances, if Chris Paul sits... He's the guy that would pick up the slack. You know, you could pick up Cam Johnson as a guy that would pick up some slack. I know he also didn't have that great of a ball game, but you can look at these teams and say, all right, who might get a game off here these final four days? And then who is the beneficiary? Do we think Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert sits a game down the stretch? Maybe. Jordan Clarkson's probably rostered already, but you could pick up Hassan Whiteside and just have him on your bench for the game that Gobert probably sits and drop him in there, but he might not. You know, maybe the Jazz do value the five seed over the six seed. Maybe they really do want uh, Mavericks instead of War, even though those teams could flip-flop. I don't know. Maybe they just value collecting a couple of wins down the stretch. I don't know. Do we think Nikola Jokic sits out a game here? You could pick up Boogie Cousins, sit him on your bench, and drop him in there for one game if Jokic sits one of these last two. So there are some opportunities out there that, you know, you could just sit on a guy. Celtics are resting all their guys today, so you kind of likely missed the boat on that one if you're, again, dealing with a league where it's day-before type of moves. Bucks are probably going to have a game where they rest some guys, I would think. Sixers probably rest some guys. So, yeah, I mean, you could stuff a guy on your bench and hope that you can drop him in for one of these last two games. I just... To me, it seems easier to just roll with the guys that are popping up anyway. The guys that are useful daily. You know, Norman Powell coming back. That's a guy you can just pick up and use in your lineups. Gallo playing in non-back-to-backs. A guy you can just sort of pick up and use right now as long as John Collins is out. They're out there. Obi Toppin with Randall getting sat. Killian Hayes a couple days ago with Corey Joseph getting cooked for the year, whatever you want to call it at this point. To me, there's just enough options out there where you don't need to squat on a backup and hope that they drop in for a game here down the stretch. All right. Tomorrow, last regular season show, we'll talk a little bit of Roto weekend strategy, and I'll give you a hint. Strategy Roto number one, try to hit your games cap on Saturday. Don't leave it till the last day or you will come up a game or two short because half your team's going to sit. We just don't know which half. That's going to happen all damn weekend long. Why do some of you still have head-to-head leagues going right now? Don't do it. Sheesh. Uh, please do follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespers if you're not already. I'm guessing most of you are. And then, of course, the big thing right now, five-star reviews for the pod. I need you guys. I need you. I'm going to beg tomorrow. I'm going to beg. Hey, we got one more in the last 24 hours, up to 794 now. Can we get to 800? Can I get six over the weekend? With your help, 
The answer is yes. Without your help, the answer is probably no. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Shout out Sports Ethos for letting us exist all this time. SportsEthos.com, Ethos Fantasy BK. And happy opening day to baseball fans. Go check out Fantasy MLB today. Our brand new podcast here at Sports Ethos. It is Ethos Fantasy BB is the feed where you can see those episodes drop. Again, it's Fantasy MLB today. Joe Orico doing a wonderful job getting that one up and off the ground. He also has DFS lineups in his show, so it's already better than mine. Go check that out now. Enjoy your baseball. Enjoy your basketball. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Last regular season show coming up manana. Toodaloo.